You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's session. This is a session where I interview another accountant who's doing great things. And in today's session, I have the pleasure of interviewing a chap called Stephen Pell of Iconic Accountants. We're going to be talking about Stephen's journey from starting his own firm less than five or six years ago and taking it to over one million pounds and beyond. Uh, as you know, and as uh, teased in the description, Stephen did actually niche down and specialize. And of course, uh, as someone who uh, is very vocal on this subject, uh, no doubt this was one of the keys to his success. So we're hearing about how specialization and niching down into a particular industry enabled Stephen to grow as fast as he did, to be able to get the kind of clients as quickly as he did, to be able to niche down and get the the kind of clients that he really wanted to work with, that he had a passion with, that he enjoyed and got pleasure and joy out of working with. So without further ado, let's get straight into this discussion and I will see you on the other side. Stephen, how you doing? Very good, thank you. This is the first time we are actually uh, talking, would you believe? <laughs> I've uh, Obviously, I know of uh, Stephen's journey. I've heard him on other podcasts and I invited him on to talk about his journey today because he's got a fantastic uh, journey of uh, building up his accounting firm from zero to 500K and beyond, I believe, in five years with a niche brand. And given everything that I talk about on positioning and niching and specializing, I thought it'd be good to bring on Stephen to let him talk about his experience and the benefit that he has had on niching down and specializing in a particular audience. Looks like we've got a few more people joining, a Facebook user. Uh, remember, if you're listening on, on Facebook, just uh, click the link above the post so I can see who you are. Hey there, Susan, listening at home on LinkedIn. Good to have you here. And another international uh, listener from St. Kitts in the Caribbean. Boy, are we jealous of where you are. Pouring down with rain here in uh, gloomy Eastleigh in Hampshire. So I, uh, yeah, really wish we were where you are. Hello from... Gothenburg in Sweden, uh, someone else from abroad as well. So a, a good international contingent of listeners today. All right, well, let's get stuck in. If you've just joined us, say hello in the comments. Let me know where you are. But uh, to begin with, Stephen, tell us a little bit about your background. Start from the beginning. How did you get into accounting? How did you get into running your own firm? And let's take you from there. So I actually started in audit, uh, strangely. Um, and it's been quite a journey from, from there to where I am now, for sure. Um, I actually, going back before that, I was very much convinced I'd be a rock star. Uh, there was nothing else I wanted to be. I played the guitar. I sung very badly in a band. Um, but I honestly believe that was all um, that was all sort of lined up for me. Um, you know, very close to getting record deals. I did it for about five years, touring up and down the country, playing nice. with lots of bands now that are actually quite big. Um, so I'm quite jealous of them. Um, but that was kind of what I thought my path would be. Um, that didn't that didn't work out well. The band disbanded, um, and I needed to get a proper job. Um, and I decided that um, I almost sort of closed my eyes and was sort of looking for jobs. And I landed into an accounting role um, in an audit firm um, and trained up um, as an auditor, um, studying ACCA. 
did all of that, but something wasn't quite right for me there. I think it was, I, I missed sort of, um, I didn't feel like I was adding enough value or having that sort of the, the sort of direct touch points. So I decided to train in tax. Um, I got my CTA qualifications just so that I could have, you know, actually help clients and say that, you know, actually, look, I can, I can save you money. I can do something valuable to you. And I got sort of more response than that. And I fed off that energy. Um, and I think from the back of that, I got an opportunity to work in um, an entertainment firm in, in the West End in London. And I, I sort of got exposed to this, this new way of being an accountant, which was called business management. And it wasn't just doing tax returns and accounts. I saw this whole other thing of, of running a business, whether it be paying bills, um, helping to negotiate record contracts and, and dealing with famous people. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is my home. This is where I live. Mm. Um, and so I did that for, um, about five years. Um, I got, I rose up the ranks quite quickly there, uh, became director, uh, and I think at about 26 and then went out to, uh, Amsterdam to set up a division out there for that company. Um, and then while I was out there, I was thinking, I can do, you know, I've got my own ideas, my own vision, um, and and actually my own set of values with how I want to run a business. And that became very, very important, important to me while I was over there um, and being able to sort of run with decisions and, and have have freedom over the, my time, have freedom over the decisions that I want to make for my own career um, and trajectory. And I decided to start a business called Pell Artists um, and that just kind of specialized in, in, in working with artists, but I left I left my previous firm with zero clients, absolutely nothing, and, and just a bit of money in the bank to keep me going. Um, and so I, I decided to write a book on um, accounting for, for, for music artists and, and specializing in, in, in that particular niche um, and, and running with that. And um, I basically was just hustling, knocking down doors to get clients in. And uh, it just sort of built traction, built trajectory. Fast forward um, to about two years ago, um, and I merged with uh, a US firm um, who do a very similar thing. They were at the same sort of level, um, sort of revenue and, and employee numbers wise. Merged with them and rebranded as, as Iconic. And uh, yeah, now we, with this very forward thinking uh, business, we specialize in sort of building out tech for our clients as well. Um, but we serve Iconic creators around the world, essentially. Um, and we have a remote team um mostly across the us and the uk um so yeah probably a team of about 20 people mm -hmm. um and we serve anyone from sort of emerging artists to sort of household names um and that will be music artists producers or actually hollywood uh, actors as well would be on our roster brilliant Fantastic. Great whistles up tour of uh, of your career from where it started to where it is now. So let's let's zoom in a little on some of those uh, moments that uh, were quite pivotal in terms of where you are now. So first to begin with, when you left the firm you were at, you decided to go all in and remain on the specialism that uh, of you know music artists that you were used to working with. Was that an intentional decision? Did you did you feel that you would be able to gain more traction by working with them? Uh, or was it um, 
you know, so was it was it deliberate? Was it by chance that you knew you knew you had worked with them, so you had experience of working with them? And you thought, okay, well, I know how to work with these guys. I know how to, uh, I know where they hang out. I know how to find them, and therefore, it'll be easy for me to set up a business to go out and find more people that I've already been used to working with, rather than going down the generalist route. Talk us through your thinking back then, whether you knew you're onto a winner, or was it just by chance because you happened to already have experience working with them? It was very much deliberate. Um, I think the first, the first and most important reason why I chose my niche was the passion. And I think I, I really, I think I was, um, I was working with entertainers, but um, not with, not with the kind of within the entertainment niche that I wanted to work with and with the clients I wanted to work with. It was sort of companies, entertainment, media. Um, I wanted to really focus in on who I was passionate about and who I could serve and who I knew instinctively the challenges and the pain points. I found it easy. To be able to connect um, with with people within within that that sort of um, client profile, um, it was very easy for me to define it. I think one of the challenges we have is defining that ideal client and what they exactly look like. Um, you know, right down to the detail of you know what do they think when they get out of bed in the morning. You know, what do they what are they thinking all the time? You know, what do they care about accounting? You know, all of these kind of things that I kind of knew instinctively. So that really really helped me. Um, and actually, the reason I wrote the book was so that I could clarify my thoughts. And all of that as well and really try and get into the head and put it down on in in, in words um so that i got all my thoughts straight with it um but also i knew that i couldn't compete with the firm that i just left because they would they were a powerhouse in in the entertainment industry and had some really big clients so i had to go find a niche and almost find a niche within a niche to get to where i wanted to and to, to get right to the pain points of the the clients i i, that I wanted to work with um and and so to, to be able to do that, I had to really clearly define it, clearly define who I work with. Um, and I was very, I had no resources, so I couldn't spread myself very thin. So I had to find, I had to be very, very laser sharp with who I was targeting um, and the way that I targeted them and the conversations I had, because also it was just me delivering it when I first started, I couldn't be all things to everyone. So I had to sort of scale right back um, and only deliver a sack of services that I I feel like a deliver, mm. basically. So that was kind of my my thinking um, when, I, when I first started. Fantastic. Well, it looks like you had the right thinking right from the beginning. And as you say, I mean, everything that you have said is exactly what is required to be able to to quickly build a business and and find the right type of clients, paying the right kind of money. When you actually get really clear and laser focus on who it is that you want to attract then it's much easier to go out and find them because you know who it is that you want to attract, which means that you can get inside their heads, as you said, you can get into the conversation that's going through their head to figure out what are their problems. Because let's face it, people aren't looking for an accountant willing in. They're not browsing the net when they're you know busy browsing Amazon or you know online shopping websites. They're not just browsing accountants' websites randomly. They will start browsing and looking for a solution when they're in some kind of pain. So that's why we need to understand the problems that bring our ideal clients to us. And the best way of doing that is to understand who they are. When we understand who they are, then we can get in their heads and actually understand what are the what are the pain points? What are the problems that are driving them towards reaching out to finding a solution and then position ourselves as a solution to that problem? So fantastic that you were able to do that. So talk us through the kind of results that you had by going really laser focused on your niche. What kind of results did you have in terms of how quickly did that business take uh, take off from when you started? I mean, it's quite interesting. It took me about six months because I was, I was not, I mean, I had a little bit of reputation, but 
it was me starting again. I had to, I had to really build trust <laughs> to, to start off with. But once, once I sort of got through that six month period, the it, things started to snowball. Um, you know, it's that, it's that, um, that that network started to to, to grow, um, and the referrals. I, I almost didn't really need to. I, the only marketing I ever really did was the book, and that did all the talking. That was my business card, um, and that was kind of what was being shared around within the industry. Um, and that was kind of that's kind of what snowballed in it. Um, the, the challenges after that weren't getting getting clients. You know, uh, it was the making sure that I could deliver the service um, to the standard um, as I started to grow, and that the, the sort of the growing pains side mm -hmm. of it. Um, but then sort of the, the, the growth of the business, um, I would say that we probably, we probably took, yeah, I mean, within a year, it was a hundred K, uh, turnover, um, within three, three years, probably three or four years, within half years, 500 K I would have said, um, and now, you know, we're sort of, you know, a million plus as a, as a, as a group across, across that. So mm -hmm. it, it's it's grown quite quickly over there, you know, over that year, just by specialising. Yeah, absolutely, and that's no surprise. You know, I, I see it time and again that firms who specialise grow the fastest. It's much easier to grow. It's much easier to find your ideal clients. It's much easier to get clients who will pay premium fees because people want to work with a specialist when they see that you have you've written a book, you've become an authority and a credibility in that space. You've given value before asking for anything in return people will be happy to pay a premium to working with you. And people pay more to work with a specialist than they do with a generalist. So in that, uh, in that journey, then, as you said, it was pretty, pretty rapid, uh, pretty rapid growth in the first year and, and there onwards. What would you say were your, and, and, oh yeah. So, so yeah, the question I wanted to ask is, I mean, I often get this because we've got a couple of specialisms. We've got one in property and we've got a, another one in, in content creators and influencers. And often you, uh, you know, people will say, yeah, the reason I chose you was because you were the specialist. Uh, and I'm sure you heard that as well. Many a times that we want to work with you because we feel that you understand our sector. Uh, do, do you get that quite often uh, from clients you work with? Yeah, it's quite interesting. This, the specialism is not in um, being a specialism within tax industry. It's been a specialism in translating the the language of the the client and and and, and the world and understanding understanding them. So, um, for example, they can our clients will come to us and even in that discovery call meeting, we'll be talking about parts of their record contract that if they spoke to another contract about they've an accountant, they have no idea, you know. Um, you know where they earn their money. You know what they should be expecting. You know what they what's a good record deal. You know what rates they got. You know all of those things. That's. I mean, I've just come off a call now where we had exactly the same thing. We said, like, I, you know, you get it. Like, you, you, you really get me, and that's what clients want. They want to feel that they they're understood, mm. um, and that, you know, at the end of the day, the the tax return that we do, you know, it's still the same numbers going the same boxes depending on whatever business it is. Um, you know, in a set of accounts, you know, there's you know certain obviously that meet certain conditions so you know for us the it's that being able to the client being understood and that they they feel like you know they're, they're part of um and also just they want to they don't want to feel like they're missing out because if you're becoming an exclusive you know and and becoming building out a niche they're they're, they're worrying that well if they're with a generalist accountant what advice are they not getting that all these other um you know clients are getting you know that are sort of seeing their trajectories rise so 
um, yeah, I think that's a big part of, part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very rare that when you're with a specialist that you'll lose out to a generalist, but the opposite is not true. When you're a generalist, you certainly will lose out to a specialist because of that entire that uh, exact reason that people get a bit of FOMO. They feel that they are missing out, that they feel that the generalist doesn't really understand them as well as a specialist uh, does. And that is true. As you see, when you start to work with a small group of people, you're basically the idea is to work um, <clears throat> inch wide and mile deep. But most people, they try and go mile wide and an inch deep. When you do that, then you're not really going to understand the clients in as much depth. They won't feel that you understand their business when they don't feel that. They're not really going to be, they're not going to see as, as, as they get much value from you. If they don't see they don't get as much value from you, they're not going to be pay, prepared to pay as much. And we certainly see that, you know, whether I'm working with property uh, owners and we can talk about yields and rent and base rates and, uh, you know, Section 24 and all that kind of stuff. They feel like we get them when we're talking to content creators and influencers, the other niche, and we're talking about, you know, YouTube and we're talking about online courses and we're talking about, you know, moving to other jurisdictions to pay less tax. They feel like we get them. And that's exactly the same as you've experienced as you will experience if you're listening when you go down that route of actually laser focus your efforts on working with a select group of people. So moving on from the the niche angle, which I'm sure we could talk about for uh, for hours, uh, some of the other kind of growing pains that you had. So you grew pretty quickly. What would you say were your other kind of key challenges, and how did you overcome them in your kind of you know one to three year period as you grew rapidly? Yeah, I think we were made a, a lot of mistakes, uh, as you would, as most probably firm owners would admit to. Um, pricing too low to start with is one of them, um, and trying to unwind that as you grow is is very very difficult. Obviously, trying to reprice clients, and you know, um, yeah, we, we were certainly over serving. Um, I think when you start out, you have a bit of insecurity about what you're doing and and, and how you're delivering a service. Um, and so, yeah, trying to unwind that was a, was a big challenge and, and, and sort of simplify our, our pricing methodology. Um, obviously, you've never been on timesheets or bill by the hour, but it's, it's you know, moving from fixed rates to, to value pricing in, in what we do I, you know, um, in, in some of our plans um, and simplifying everything. One of the challenges we had is that um, we just made our services too complicated or, or our service offering. And, you know, we understood quite quickly that our clients didn't get it. They didn't get what we did and so we had to reframe it and we had to sort of play around with it and make it just much more simple by having three options you know are you this stage in your career this stage or this stage you know which you know and just make it really easy for them to understand um but also not just for the clients but for us as a team like we were sort of getting uh, some of our our team members were not quite understanding what we were supposed to be delivering for each each client and that was causing 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 problems as well so one of the one of the things that we've addressed now is having um, you know a standardised uh, service offering uh, for each of our clients, um, and just basically trimming the fat and all the services. So only really sort of doing what we need to for each of our clients um, in, in in the service plans, um, and yeah, just just making sure everything's so simple so that we can then, which is comes onto the other challenge, which is in recruiting to then sort of build you know, um, hiring people in to, to train people up. So for us, there's obviously the the issue when you're in a niche, you're having to train people on two things. Like we're having to train people on obviously doing the job and being an accountant, but also on the language of the music industry, which has taken me a long time to learn. Um, and sometimes I forget that, that, you know, it, it is, a, like I said before, a language unto itself when you're talking about 
you know, recruitment periods and, and you know, and, and advances and all those kind of things in, in record contract terms. You have to know, know that in the context of, what, of, of the service as well. So that has been a bit of a challenge um, in sort of hiring the right people and training them up. Um, and also, the, I think one of the pains as we've started to grow as well is structuring the business delivery systems. So we've had a problem whereby we went from a system whereby we were doing everything. So we would be um, doing doing the tax returns, the bookkeeping, the accounts, you know, the paying the bills, whatever. And one person will be in control of a group of clients. Whereas now we're we're building specific departments, and that those growing pains have been quite quite tough as well because you never as you grow you never have quite enough people to fill what's needed within each of the, the delivery channels um so that has been a major challenge for us um as we as we've grown and obviously the merger with the us team has brought a whole new layer of complexity merging systems processes culture um has been has been a challenge um but uh yeah we're we're, we're getting there mm. and um i can imagine we're already for now a whole new set of challenges, I think, as we hit that next next, next level. Mm, fantastic. Hey, just a quick break to tell you about a tool I use that has helped us to save hours and enable me to create a pricing system incorporating all the stuff that I've learned about value pricing over the years. That tool is called Go Proposal. What I love about it is that we can build the price in person with the prospect, and then with a click of a button, send them the proposal and engagement letter instantly during the meeting. That's literally saved us hours of time from how we used to do it before. Not only that, but also because I can build pricing models in the software, anyone in my team can now have pricing conversations and send proposals to prospects and clients that has helped to free me up to do things that I love, like creating this podcast for you. If you're not already using it, I recommend you check it out. So what is the, in terms of some of the, uh, talk us through some of the detail that might be useful to other firm owners listening. What is your what does your setup look like when you say departments? How have you what have you found kind of works well in terms of servicing clients? You know, do you work uh, a pod type structure? Do you have you know allocation of uh, clients to individuals or a team of individuals? How does that work if you go into big? Well, yeah. So we used to have we used to have like a pod type structure where all the services were delivered by one pod, um, but now we're we're having spe- like specialized teams because. Uh, so, for, for example, for us, it looks like we'll have an, have an accounting team, we'll have a, a tax team, we'll have a, um, we'll call like a treasury department, which is APNAR and, and, and you know, money management. Um, and we'll have like a sort of client management team. So, whereas before everyone was doing all of those roles in, in within their pods. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like how, how everything's sort of set up for us, for us now. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly a challenge because we've been doing things a certain way, um, and we're having to recruit new people for the specific roles, um, and it's it's quite hard for, as a team that we've grown. We've got some great people knowing which route they would want to go as well within within those pods because we want to keep them and want them to be leaders. But um, you know they they're sort of some indecision about which direction they want to take career wise, and so you have to take that into account. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we're how we're set up in in the sort of like, you know specialized divisions. Um, that uh, that for us, it's just going to be much easier for us to scale now at this point. Um, but we didn't really need them to get to that to the sort of the the, the sort of the, the five hundred k six hundred k stage. But now we kind of we've hit that tipping point whereby it just doesn't work at, mm-hmm. the, at where we are, and we're having to sort of re review where we are sure. and, and, and sort of grow up in that way. 
Brilliant. So would so would one client have multiple points of contact from within the team, depending on who's? No, I mean they would have they would have one point of contact as in a as their client manager, okay. but the the deliverable so that the the client manager will be delivering the work, mm. but we have the, the departments that are delivering the work to the, the client manager essentially. So they're they're project managing everything. Sure. Within the, within the team essentially. So would your would your client managers not be kind of um, they wouldn't be the technicians themselves, not actually doing the work, just project managing the relationship they're just project managing the relationship yeah brilliant yeah. fantastic so and so what was your makeup at the moment in terms of number of people to turn over so what are we about um it's, it's probably about uh, the us teams will be growing quite a bit but we're, we're turning over as a as a group probably about 1.2 um and we're probably on about 18 people mm -hmm. so cool we do the math so. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure people can do the math. <laughs> Lots of accountants in the audience. <laughs> All right, let's. Um, if you've got a question, put them in. There's a couple of questions here, so let's get on to those now. From Daniel here, uh, Stephen, uh, you want to take that one? Um, he's saying, as a specialist advisor, what's your take on digitizing advisory? The transactions are gone. Debit and credit is digitized and auto. When those proceeds are gone, how do you replace those proceeds? I'm not quite sure what that question is um but so i'll maybe take the first one digitizing advisory maybe. um so i mean i'm i'm pro um anything that's that's data and that's automated and that you can get information from um but i still think advisory is a translating role for when you're speaking with the client so i think you can have all the data in the world but particularly i can only speak from my client's perspective is that they're not going to look at report and know what it is so there has to be that, you know, from an advisory perspective, there has to be that human, human contact. So automating and digitizing everything, you know, up to the point of advisory could be, could be tricky. I think, you know, I think if you're selling peace of mind, are they going to have peace of mind that a bit of software just gives them an answer? Maybe, but my clients wouldn't, I would say at this stage. Absolutely. Cool. And uh, Tian is asking, how did you uh, come to the conclusion that you were pricing too low? Were you operating at a loss? Uh, I wasn't operating at a loss, um, but not making the margins that I wanted. So I knew that, you know, my, I'm sort of aiming for 35, 40, 50% margins. That's where I need to get to. I was nowhere near that when I, when I started. And I think also I knew what our competitors were, were pricing and I was seeing, seeing what they were charging and we were way under. You know, so just as a market anchoring perspective, we weren't charging enough. Hmm. Um, but also, you know, from the you know the PNL doesn't, doesn't lie as well, so we weren't obviously hmm. getting hitting our margins. Absolutely, so, yeah. good. And one from uh, I think I believe it's John. How did you find good team members at the entry levels when you began? Um, I would actually say <laughs> we got quite lucky. Um, we recruitment is another thing we've worked really really hard on actually to to improve and to improve the process um but at, at this at the start um you know we we sort of went to the local colleges and, and interviewed um and actually some of the people that that we kind of almost had to to hire because we we're almost not desperate but we really needed someone in um have ended up being brilliant um obviously we made some mistakes um and you know we're putting in sort of processes to well, to, to stop that going forwards but um 
yeah, it's. I think we 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 got sort of fairly fairly lucky lucky with the sort of the entry level people. I think it's quite hit or miss. But what we do do um, now, this might sort of help with the sort of recruitment side of it, is that we we put them through um, things like a one way interview. So we want obviously a lot of what we do is now on video. So we make sure that they sort of have a five minute pitch to us for you know if they get through the CV phase. Um, this is even the entry level um, candidates, uh, and then they have to do if we like them the interview and then there's a skills test as well so basically we would have one of our trainees go through zero with them and set you know set them a load of tasks on that and we sort of we see how you know how they how they react to being put under pressure a little bit and you know finding their way around technology um, so yeah that's kind of how we uh, mm. how we how we now find good team members uh, yeah. at this stage fantastic Good stuff. Another question on the team. How many do you have in the team? I think you answered that. It was 18. Uh, are they all office-based or work from home? Do you offshore or outsource? I think you mentioned the remote workers. Uh, do you have an office? How does that work? So we're, we're entirely remote, right. um, but we do have... Um, so, I mean, we, we have a sort of a base in London that we can go to, that we meet up, up mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes have like team days or, or, or you know, if, we, if someone does need to go in, um, we do have space to go into uh but yeah we're, we are remote um and yes we do uh we do outsource um some of our sort of tax production work yeah fantastic where, where do you outsource to which jurisdiction uh india india fantastic good stuff and so, so just on that how do you how do you kind of help with you know that with a fully remote team how do you know what kind of um, purposeful activities do you have to bring people together to kind of forge those relationships are there any regular kind of zoom type arrangements yeah, talk us through some of that of, of functioning a, a fully remote team sure so um first thing we have a discord channel where basically we we live in discord all day so we everyone logs into discord and um you know we're sort of you know chatting um you know through mostly through sitting in um video channels so and that's that's that our us team and you can, you know everyone's in in together um and so that's kind of the main way that we kind of feel like we're in a virtual office together through our discord channel um and we do every year we do team retreats so i've actually just come back from portugal so we had everyone get together and we hired out a huge villa in in uh, near lisbon um we spent a week out there you know, doing some strategy, doing, you know, chilling out, sitting by the pool, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. So it wasn't overly, um, overly uh, taxing. Um, and then every, you know, every month we try and get together and have dinner out as a team um, or get together and just sort of try and work, work together or whenever, whenever anyone's available, you know, it's not mandatory. Mm. Um, but we, we try and stay as connected as possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, because you're right, it is challenges and, and getting, getting that right I'm not saying we're, we're getting there, like we're, we're, we're doing what we can. I think there's things, there's, there's areas to improve on for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how we're, we're sort of running at the moment, but it works quite well because, you know, the, we're working until, you know, the lunchtime and the US team come online and then, you know, kind of everyone's in there for a few hours and um, sort of, you know, go mm -hmm. offline. So yeah, it, it, it does work quite well. Yeah. Fantastic. No, great to hear that you have, you know, you have certain things that you are intentionally putting in place to, to make sure the team gets together. But that's, that's important. It's great to give that flexibility, but also the opportunity to to, to kind of socialize with other team members, to build those bonds and relationship to 
work more effectively as a team together. So great to hear you're doing that. So what does the future hold for, for you, Stephen? So, you know, often the, you know, the reasons why firm owners set up is to, to get that kind of time and financial freedom. It sounds like that, uh, you know, you are very much invested in, uh, in growing this brand even more. So, you know, what is your goal? What is your personal goal with what you want out of the practice? What do you want to kind of grow it to? Is it more of a, you know, financial work goal to then sell up at some point in time? Or is it more of a, uh, a lifestyle business for you? Where, where, where does the future go for you? It's a very good question. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen it this as a lifestyle business for me. Like it's not um, something that just keeps ticking over. Uh, I'm quite ambitious. I want to take this to being, you know, the sort of the Sony music of accounting, basically. You know, I want to be the name on everyone's lips in the entertainment industry. You know, I want to have all of the artists, you know, that you know, the biggest selling artists in the world on, on my books, mm -hmm. film actors and things. So yeah, very ambitious. Um and um there's a lot, you know, we've we've got um a lot of cool things in the pipeline. Um I think we've, you know. From a, from a short term perspective, we are we've done nothing on marketing and branding, um, and so that's something we're tackling as a as a key strategy for us next year, um, and really sort of putting ourselves out there. Um, and I think from a growth perspective, um, I mean, yeah, long longer term, yeah, I, it, I'm building I'm building to create value and and eventually to to sell, but that's sort of a ten year plan, not a not a short term three five year. You know, there's still a lot to do. Um, yeah, I'm I'm still young, hungry and ambitious. And, and I still think I've got a lot to do to, to take this to where I need it mm. need to get to. Absolutely. Fantastic. Are you allowed to reveal any any of your kind of top uh, clients? Perhaps you've already showcasing them on your website? Well, only one on the website yeah. that we've we got permission to Gary Newman um, is, uh, you know, when the, the, the 1980s electro pioneer. Mm. Okay. Um, but, so people might know. but yeah, we, we kind of work across. Um, you know, we work a lot of DJs, um and a lot of uh sort of pop artists and a lot of rock bands as well that's my interest yeah. um sort of, uh, who would you who would you love to have as a client it's a good question um that i don't have yeah uh lewis capaldi probably <laughs> well lewis if you're listening <laughs> yeah you know where to go <laughs> yeah fantastic yeah. good stuff good stuff well that's been awesome. We're out of time. So uh, I'd like to thank you, Stephen, for, for spending the time with us today and uh, talking to us about your journey, your incredible journey of, uh, of growth by specializing and niching down into a particular area, which was your passion. And you can see everyone, can, if you've been listening, you can see how the impact that has had and how that has enabled uh, Stephen to get to where he is and to give him that, that drive and the ambition to take it even further. So in the short space of time, he's already got it to a million and beyond. And uh, no doubt, the um, uh, yeah, we'll keep on going from there. So thank you very much, Stephen, for attending. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. I hope you got some value from it. And remember, you can catch up on previous episodes with other great accountants on the podcast. If you haven't already, so head on over to the Transform Your Profits podcast. If you're not already, join us in the Facebook group. But uh, until next time, take care and I will speak to you very soon. Bye for now.
have you got value from that episode? And if you want to spend more time together, where we go deeper on topics like pricing, marketing, sales, building a team and processes so you can build a firm that is less reliant on you, then come and join the TYP mentoring community. It's my membership program where I deliver practical mentoring sessions from my personal experience of building my practice and share resources that I have created and use in my firm. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel and waste time and money making mistakes like I did. There's an amazing community of 100 plus accountants that you get to meet every week, share challenges, best practices, and use the power of the group to shortcut your learnings. Go to resahooda.com forward slash mentoring to find out more. Thank you for listening. For more free content, videos, and resources, visit www.rezahuda.com. And if you haven't already, come and join the community in our Transform Your Profits Facebook group, where we support each other to build more successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firms.